I don't remember what it was like to go back home. I only know it was cold and white, and I was alone. Won't you tell me how I could see you now? Tell me why everybody tries, everybody lies. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This is, uh, keep it playing a little bit. Uh, this is Leo Kotke, and I want to tell you a story from when I was about 15 years old. A student at Sayre School and was kind of getting into music. And there were, uh, North Lambstone and South Lambstone used to have a lot of what were called head shops. Hippie places that also sold records and one of them i knew had a leo kotke album in there that i wanted to buy so i walk in there with my little tie and pinstripe or not pinstripe button down shirt on and uh i got this album it had an armadillo on the front of it and i go up to buy it and the guy checking me out says so you're a kotke freak and i said no i, I mean i just I like Leo Kotke. I want to buy this album. Well, that makes you a Kotke freak. And I said, just sell me the effing album. I can't believe I said that at age 15, but I did. He, he sold me the album, and I walked out of there with my non-Kotke freak credentials intact. <sighs> All right. This is the, a new thing for us. We are going to three hours. We're going to use it to interview uh, some candidates. It's not necessarily a permanent thing. We're kind of renting it right now and seeing if we want to keep this third hour. So, I mean, it could be we could have it for eight weeks and then decide we'll go back to two hours or, you know, we might go back to three hours. The history of the Tom Dupree show is that we did get up to three hours just prior to the pandemic, and then we cut things way back. But anyway, it's today what I'm going to do, for those of you who have been listening to, uh, I guess it's been the horse racing show that's been on. You probably don't know who I am or don't care. My name's Tom Dupree. Uh, our company is called Dupree Financial Group, uh, and we're in the investment business. And what I'm going to talk about today is um, – Based on my 44 years in the investment business, uh, kind of where I think we are uh, in economic history as I see it. 
And keep in mind, the way I see things is the way I see them. It's limited, but it does have a bit of time uh, attached to it. I want to talk a little bit about interest rates. If you've been in the business as long as I have, uh, you started in the uh, late 70s, and you saw uh, interest rates over the next four years uh double, and in some cases more than double, from where they had been in, say, the fall of 1978. By 1981-82, bonds, which had uh, been yielding 6%, were now yielding 12, in some cases up to 14. Uh, Because we had inflation, and uh, we had what I would call more of an inflationary uh, wrinkle or twist in the economy that was almost part of the economy itself. I'm going to explain why I think today's economy and our inflation today is a little different. But uh, we had a guy named Paul Volcker. Every great thing that ever gets done in business, politics, is always initiated or done by an individual. Committees, companies, um, coalitions, groups, mobs, never really accomplish anything um, except to try to perpetuate their own existence. It's the individual that comes in and does something when the time is right. And that's what happened in the case of Paul Volcker as the head of the Fed. And what it set us up for was 40 years of relative prosperity. Now, what else happened? Because there's a thing they call the Lollapalooza effect. And what is that? Well, what that is is several different things. It's not a rock concert that's going on right now up in Chicago or wherever it is, it is a convergence of lots of different things all happening at once. So uh, probably another time in history you could point to where you had a long period of low interest rates was the Victorian England, where England was, this would have been prior to World War One you go from Victorian really to Edwardian, but it's that time where Britannia ruled the waves and England pretty much dominated everything, not only, well, on their, their continent and a lot of other continents. So they had declining interest rates for a long period of time also. Now, there was another thing other than, the fact that we broke the back of inflation in early in the early 80s, there was the rise of technology. Now, many folks decry technology. They um, bemoan the fact that... Um, our names and addresses and almost our thoughts uh, can be tracked by uh, folks at Google or Microsoft or 
wherever they think about doing these kinds of things. But in doing so, there's a knee-jerk reaction that many people have. it, It was embodied by the people called the Luddites. I don't know when the Luddites were, but I want to say sometime in the 19th century where they actually hated the rise of technology. They wanted to destroy technology. They didn't like the fact that it put people out of work. But another thing it does is it greatly increases productivity. Now, I'll just give you one little thing that it increases productivity on. If you drive a car and you have a credit card, uh, chances are that you have figured out how to pay for your gas at the pump. Well, this has only been going on for, I don't know, 15 years maybe. Think about the fact that before you had to pump the gas, be honest enough to go inside and pay for your gas. There were always those people who were called drive-offs where they would effectively steal a tank of gas and leave and not pay for it. Think about the very simple uh, fact of paying for your gasoline at the pump. It entirely eliminates the phenomenon of drive-offs. Gone. So gasoline stations are no longer getting fuel stolen from them that way. It means that you don't have to have a person inside the store who's constantly uh, processing gasoline slips or purchases. It means they can sell more lottery tickets. I don't know. They, they can do more of whatever else they have to do with their job, and they don't have to think about that. Now, that is a big productivity enhancement brought to you by technology. How many of you shop on the Internet? And 15 years ago, you wouldn't have dreamed of shopping on the Internet. And now you do a lot of shopping on the Internet. It's a saving, it's a productivity-saving process. Anything that increases productivity lowers prices. It makes things cheaper, and it lowers inflation. So, as a result of years of declining interest rates and advancing technology, you've had relative price stability. You've had not only, uh, you haven't had deflation per se, but you've had disinflation. What's the difference between those two? Disinflation is lower inflation. Deflation is where you actually have prices start going down on everything, you know, 
That's, that's deflation. And that can be a sign of economic sickness. So it's not necessarily a good thing. Are you worried, am I worried, about the inflation that we've had recently? No, not really. I am worried from the point of view of people. If you ask me if I'm worried about how it affects the economy, no. Am I worried about how it affects human beings? Yes. So I don't want to sound callous like you don't care about people that can't buy food or pay the rent. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, do I think long run it destroys our economy? No, because I've lived through it. I've been through worse inflations than this in my brief 44-year career. And it is brief. It's funny, the older you get, the, the more you realize how short your life is. I'm 65. My life is just a breath. My career, just a drop in the bucket. But you do get the perspective of seeing some things. So technology, accompanied by lower interest rates, has led to a, uh, uh, a relative uh, period of economic strength. What happens during those times? What happens is people get lazy. They forget about the struggle. They become complacent. They become, in some cases, amoral because morality is for losers. It's for people who are struggling and they're trying to get right with God and we got all this money and prosperity. We don't need a God. We don't need anything difficult in our lives. So people get lazy. They start making foolish decisions. They turn their excess capital, and I'm going to talk a little more about this later on, over to the experts. What do I mean by excess capital? I mean your taxes. That is money that you pay to the government. You kiss it goodbye and you never ask for any accountability of how your tax money is getting spent. Your investment money, that's the money that you save. You go hire an expert to manage your money. This is somebody that you think knows more than you do. That can be a very bad decision because many experts are not experts. That's just how they market themselves. Now I will say that when I was in this business 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I knew less about things than I do today. Today. I not only know what I know. I also know some things I wish I didn't know things about human nature and the ugliness of it. But I'm going to posit to you that the economy is not so much about numbers and dollars and graphs and charts as it is about people 
doing stuff that people do. And it has nothing to do with how much money you've got in the bank. It has to do with living your life and doing something today that's productive. And what is productive? Productive, a lot of times, is something that will create a memory, that will create something that's memorable. The way you do those things is to be able to transact business in money, currency, or whatever it is you're using as barter to get what you're trying to get. Some people can get a lot of things done without ever spending any money. They have influence, and that's that's a different thing. That's, that's kind of for a different uh, type of show. Now, with all this rise of technology, you've heard more about this word called algorithm. As best I can understand what an algorithm is, I've never had anybody actually explain it to me, but I think it's a, it, 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 parts of it are a computer program or let's call it a thought pattern. It could be an artificial thought pattern or it could be a human thought pattern that basically says if this happens, then this and then this and then that, and then you come up with an outcome. And it's a repeatable kind of thing that happens over and over again. Tech companies that do well are based around an algorithm. Each one has their own. But when they figure out human behavior, typically would be commercial behavior, meaning that the human behavior has some kind of spending pattern behind it and seek to present a product or an application that will enhance or facilitate this type of human behavior, that's where tremendous amounts of money can be made. I'll give you an example. A stock company that we've been investing in, Airbnb. Now, you can say all kinds of things about them. Yeah, they're woke. Of course they are. They're in Northern California. What do you expect? But if you get away from all their politics and all the goomba stuff about them that you don't maybe like or do like, or it's, I don't know what you think about it, and just look at the algorithm, what they have come across is an incredible way to track and map human behavior and marry that up with unused real estate. In other words, it's almost like a car sitting in the garage gathering dust, and that would be people's homes and houses and things that they've got and create an entire industry that now the entire market capitalization, that's the value of all their stock of Airbnb, is more than the top two or three publicly traded hotel chains, which own a bunch of real estate. Now, there's been 
a huge increase since we had our last big bout with interest rates back in the early uh, 80s that uh, is created by algorithms. What is an algorithm? Is it a piece of real estate that you can step on? Is it an oil well that you can pull oil out of? No, it's not. It's a piece of, of software, basically, that tracks behavior. And uh, it's uh, something that you're going you're gonna to see only in terms of the outcome it produces. We've gone from being an economy that was based on hard assets 40 years ago when I started in this business to an economy that basically mimics human behavior. you got to see that if you're going to understand how to invest these days. You listen to the Tom Dupree Show. Stay with us. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. We could live in Dave's hands at Sunnyland Park and watch their little days turning in. Her name was Joanne, and she lived in a meadow by a pond. She touched me for a moment with a look that spoke to me of her sweet love. Then the woman that she was drove her on with desperation, and I saw as she went a most hopeless situation for Joanne and the man and the time that made them both run. She was all. That the hold that she had was much stronger than the love she felt for me. I 
could not have sung Though the essence is gone I have no tears to cry for her And my only thoughts of her kind Her name Welcome back Tom Dupree show or whatever we're going to call this third hour. I don't know. Doesn't really have to have a name. I guess it could be called Missy was saying T squared. I, I don't know where she came up with that. But. Tom talks. Yeah, well, that that's sort of a given pretty much on all three hours, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I don't know. This is Michael Nesmith. If you are from the 60s, you remember a group called the Monkees. Davy Jones. I don't remember the other guys' names. I'd know if you showed them. But he was a member of the Monkees. But he was a serious songwriter. And uh, he went on to form a thing called the First National Band. And I, I don't know if this song was from them or the Monkees. I... I can, only thing I can tell you is he was a good songwriter and taken seriously by a lot of people. And so the guy he's playing with on here is a guy named Red Rhodes, who is an incredible pedal steel guy and uh, you know, pedal steel guitar. And Red played on a lot of people's albums over the years. This was a concert they did together. Now, I want to go back to this discussion because you could say, Tom, you're not making a hell of a lot of sense. Sometimes it takes me not making sense to get to where the part where I am making sense. In this day and age, we're all challenged to be who we really are. If we come into things with preconceived notions about how the world works, about how we want our little world to work, we will become roadkill in the fast lane of life, and it does move fast. You have to understand how things have changed and are changing it and changing and if you sort of resist it's okay to do to 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 say this isn't good and it needs to be differently that's fine but if the basic if you pretend like this stuff's not happening that's where you get in trouble I would say that for a guy like me, the fact that we have transitioned from an asset-based economy, in other words, stuff, physical stuff, real estate, oil, clothes, cars, steel, glass, cloth, fragrances, food, things that you touch and smell and hold next to you 
we have gone. It's not that we don't value physical things. But we're now moving in an economy that is more tracking the ideas, the behaviors. And bigger money is being paid for that rather than just the stuff. Now, you look at somebody like Amazon. You know, Amazon sells a lot of stuff. They're a marketplace, really. They're not a store. Versus, say, Macy's. What does Macy's have? How does Macy's get their inventory? You know how they do, don't you? How does Macy's get their inventory? Who bu- who buys the inventory? They, they go to market? Yeah. And who 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 are the people called that they're called buyers? Right. Right. Buyers go to market. All right. So let me ask you something. Making guesses on what they're Right. Um, what's going to be Do purchased. they ever superimpose their tastes and values on what they want to buy? They can't see you not you're, are you asking a question? Do yeah, they superimpose? I'm trying to Absolutely. have a conversation here. Well, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're right. They're, they are anticipating the buyer's, um, uh, the trajectory of taste and what's going to be cool this year and what's going to be hot. And Can they screw up? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Now look at Amazon. Amazon doesn't have any buyers. They don't have, you can get everything from the gaudiest, ugliest looking thing on Amazon to the most occurrent, uh, with it sort of really good looking look. And for a competitive price. And Amazon chooses not to have an opinion on what your taste should or shouldn't be. But they allow reviews, which is nice yeah, because the, okay, the product. That's the, what I was getting yeah. to. Okay. So think about it. Isn't it better to sort of own the uh, platform, if you will, that just will cater to whatever people are buying rather than a store that says you have to buy this to be cool? I mean, I I don't know. I'm only asking that question. Right. Well, one presumes to know what you want. The other just supplies what you want. There you go. That's you just nailed it. Okay, now, there is a luxury brand out there, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but what I'm going to say is the the luxury brand I was going to mention was LVMH, and they're the very top end, Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, you know, Moet Hennessy, whatever. That's a big market cap company, but two, $300 billion, but they're still not near as big as Amazon or Microsoft or Google or any of those. The economy has flipped over to being something that basically allows more choice than consumers have ever, ever had. Even with the most corrupt political environment that we've ever had, the most awful health care uh, business that's ever been in on the, it's not designed to keep you alive. It looks to me like it's designed to kill you. 
in, a, in all phases of it, as many things that are wrong with this country, we have this burgeoning uh, consumer choice thing going on that we've never had before. And this goes to the heart of what is an economic choice because you have so many of them. What is the proper way to deploy your money? For some people, it's too much of a decision to have to make so they indulge in an addiction like drugs, gambling, pornography, alcohol, and there goes their, their economic decisions get made for them. So they blow it all up. They get addicted to all kinds of things nowadays because there are lots of shiny objects out there vying for our um, affections. I would argue that the biggest, one of the biggest, maybe not the biggest, but one of the biggest dilemmas facing modern-day people in America or any other what we would call first-world country is how do I deploy wisely my money? One of the easiest ways to deploy your money is to not have any. Then your decisions all get made for you. But if you have some, then you want to be productive with it because it asks you, please, make me productive. If you don't, I'll be unproductive. Now, this is what, this is going to sound like a commercial, an ad, but this is what I've been doing or trying to do, learn, because the economy is a great teacher. The markets are great teachers. We all have uh, greed. I want more than what I've got. Well, why do you want more? It's just more you've got to be responsible for. But So if I have more or want more, i got to figure out how to get more. Therefore, I do research. And I buy and put my money into things and my time into things that I think will make me more money, right? This is called research. This is what we do here. But what happens is the things you thought you knew about money and the economy and how things work always tend to be backwards looking. The only way you look forward is you got to have your eyes open. If you rely on backwards-looking stuff to make a forward path, you're going to run into things. I'll give you a few hints. Things and businesses that figure out behavior patterns of people and capitalize on those and even try to give people something People say, give the people what they want. The fact is they don't know what they want. 
what you have to do is give them something that they will see and say, yeah, I never thought of that, but that is what I want. Most people have no idea what they want. Most people that you talk to don't have much of an idea about anything. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, they, they know a lot of really little things, but in terms of values and, and, you know, philosophical ideas and questions and who you are and what does money mean or what is a woman or, you know, things like that. They don't have a clue existential kind of things that they don't know. That's not their department. That's not their pay grade. So they're just kind of consuming stuff that people are telling them to buy. And there's a big swath of the economy. That's like that. If you're listening to this show, you probably are, thinking, you know, this is not, I don't want to be like that. I want to think about stuff that's um, potentially something that'll make my life, it'll be more than just buying and selling stuff at the end of the day. I will have actually stood for something. Some people are very certain that they really don't want to stand for anything and they don't want to be regarded that way. Though That's not who I'm talking to. If you're going to be wise then you should figure out how to invest not only your time, your effort, but your money to do something with it that is, is original to you that only you could do, that only you would have been able to do. You're going to be dead pretty soon. <laughs> I don't know about pretty soon, but one of these days you'll be dead that just means you won't be living here anymore. But think about some of these things about, think of how you live your life on a daily basis and what kind of economic decisions do you make? Let me tell you something. Going to church, doing something spiritual, it's still an economic decision, because you use time to go do it. Going to see a play, going to see uh, the opera. Those are economic decisions too, because they take some of your time and time's even more valuable than money. How do you deploy your currency, your, your, your life, your time, all sorts of things? You know, I, another thing, you get to be 65 years old, you, you then begin to have an idea about what is really important and what's not. And you begin to adjust your time and spend things. You know what's important to me? Dogs. I mean, you, you, they're like perpetual children. They're like your children that don't grow old and tell you and, you know, basically give you the finger. Uh, they're, they still love you and, and, and still want to be with you even when they're 17 years old. So that's important to me. I love things that love me and that I can love in return, even if it's uninformed. You made a post on your Facebook, and one of your friends that you'd interviewed before, Norm, what's his name, that wrote the on the Swanee football team? Oh, Norman Jetmanson. Did you see his comment that he made on your Facebook post? No. He said... Um, 
he, he was applauding you for your, you know, your sweet story about your dogs. And he said, uh, if you really want to know which one loves you better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Go ahead. Tell it. He said, if you really want to know which one loves you better between your wife and your dogs, <laughs> accidentally lock your wife or your dog in the in the trunk. And when you open it up, see which one's happy to see you. It's terrible, but I actually it's did not laugh. fair. It's not funny, but I did laugh. Now, why did you laugh about that? You never got locked in the trunk, did you? Ever? God, I, mean, I hope not. Lord. God, no. I mean, you, you didn't ever lock Max in the yeah. trunk, did you? No, no. no but I, I just—I see what you're saying. Uh, it's not a it fair. It was so not silly. Not a fair I comparison. It was yeah. silly, and I, I know it is funny. You know, I don't know. It's summertime. I think of a lot of things. Something in my brain gets activated a different way during the summer than it does in the winter. I mean, I don't know what it is. There's just a side of me that changes. And I, I think of more things in the summer, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's exciting. And I love doing what I do. Well, this has been a great history, uh, kind of a little bit of a history look back, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, I've lived through a lot of history and it's like drinking from a fire hose. You know, did I get all of it? Did I watch all the movies I should have watched? Still waiting to go watch The Big Lebowski. Haven't done it yet. You know, things like that. There's there's movies. There's things. There's things in time, you know. I Don't, saw where you commented on having gone to see uh, Top Gun when you were out in Arizona. Yeah. That was, a, that was an interesting movie review. Yeah, I didn't care for it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was all about just Tom Cruise and, you know, and it was using a rather expensive backdrop, uh, all those planes and things at the taxpayer's expense, just to talk about Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan there, but, um, anyway, I, you know, okay, come see us. If any of this resonates, come, come talk to us. Well, I think what I've heard you say, uh, you know this in this new third hour is that um goes back to the Nothing. things you've said before no <laughs> uh is know what you own and the things that 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 are in the dupree portfolio the dupree financial group portfolio are companies that we know and feel yeah, really understand. good about and and also that would apply to everything else you own you know just whatever you put your time and money and effort into i mean you know, those things are important I mean, it's all you got to know that you were there, really. When you get right down to it, it's it's the only thing that anybody will know you by. And uh, um, it's not going to be here for long. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a thing that we can uh, – I'm waiting for the commercials to get through. That's why I'm not giving I you I liked it that you, uh, you all invested in your backyard and made a beautiful, beautiful space you and Elizabeth did just recently. That, that was a nice yeah, the investment. Dog, the dogs have noticed it, too. Yeah. Oops. Um, okay. You've been listening to the third hour of the Tom Dupree Show. It's... News Radio 630 WLAP. <laughs> Tell me just one more time.